Now, I always loved art. Like I've always loved to draw and not, and by drawing, I mean crayons and paper, definitely nothing artistic. And I always like taking art classes in school. But when people will ask me, you know, what is your degree in? I joke it's in fast food and I have a minor in French fries. <laughs> I don't have any formal art training, but um, I think if you are passionate about something, you can do it and, and you find enjoyment, even if you don't have that traditional training. Welcome to Hello Atelier, the podcast that takes you inside the artist studio. I'm your host, Betsy Blodgett, and with me is producer Jonathan Getz. Hello, everyone. In this episode, we speak with Angela Walters, who is an author, fabric designer, and a quilter. But in a way, I feel like I should call her an illustrator, since that is what her art is, only with thread instead of a pencil. You know, as a novice and before I saw Angela's work, I thought quilting was just putting pieces of fabric together. Well, it is and it isn't. (laughs) So let's talk about what a quilt actually is. You've got a bottom or backing layer, the batting layer, which is the fluffy part in the middle that keeps you warm, and a top layer, which is usually pieced together with different fabrics. To secure those layers together, you quilt the three pieces with thread. Now, this can be as simple as straight stitches in a line, Or if you're Angela, it can be a process of incredibly intricate patterns and designs called free motion quilting. So here's another thing I learned from Angela. A single quilt can have a couple sets of fingerprints on it. She'll take quilts designed or constructed by others and put on her finishing touches. Right. Many quilters don't actually do the quilting on their piece projects and will send them to a free motion quilter. Angela started her business quilting for others and now collaborates with top quilt designers like Tula Pink and Jackie Gehring. So the artistic collaboration isn't much different than recording a song. Multiple musicians can add a depth that otherwise might be absent from, say, a solo effort. Oh, I know. Angela is Stevie Ray Vaughan laying down some serious licks on top of David Bowie's Let's Dance, a funky pop quilt of a song if there ever was one. (laughs) Well, let's hear from Angela now. Roll tape. I always loved to sketch, and it was just more of a diary than anything. So if we go on a trip, I would sketch the hotel room, just more of like a, a relaxing thing, maybe Zentangling before Zentangling was a thing. Um, So I worked in fast food. I was in management. So I've always liked being around people and I've always liked sketching. And that's, in fact, how I met my husband. He owned the Subway restaurant next to the Burger King that I managed. And then the rest is fast food history. (laughs) I'm the perfect example of even a blind squirrel can find a nut. Have you heard that saying? Like, you know, so I, I like to sketch. I liked working in fast food. I married my husband. Um, he, I'm sure he married me because I had fast food experience. So we ran the store together, and, and I probably would have been happy with that. But um, his grandpa made quilts. Um, he made quilts for family reunions and such. And so I thought, this is kind of interesting. And so I asked him, I said, can you show me how to make one of these blankets? And you know, if you're a quilter, you know that's not what you call a quilt. But I always say that just to show the level of ignorance that I had of quilting. I hadn't sewn. You know, I maybe took home ec in seventh grade, but it wasn't like I'd always been a person that did any of that stuff. But I think the thing is, if you want to try and just go for it and have fun with it, and it's led to this, you know, and which is crazy to me to think that it all started with wanting to make a quilt for our, our bed, which is incidentally still on our bed. Why do you think you were drawn into quilting? 
I don't know why things click like that, right? You know, you see somebody that loves quilting or somebody that's interested in quilting, and you know you're either going to love it or you're going to not like it. And I'm not sure what about it clicked. I think in the beginning it was that relationship with Grandpa. Uh, I was the only one in the family that really seemed interested in making quilts. You know, he was older in age, and I think he really wanted to pass that on. So the two of us clicked really well. You know, not really having a Grandpa figure in my life since I moved around a lot. So that relationship is really, I think, what started it. And then once I started the machine quilting process, that's when it clicked. Like, I thought, this is amazing. But it wasn't like we went right into that. We pieced the quilt tops, and then we hand quilted them. And then he's the one that said I should get a long arm, which, for those that don't know, it's a ginormous quilting machine. And so um, I jokingly said, or I said, sure, but I had never seen one or even knew what it was. And so the relationship is what started that. And then once I found my niche within that, that process – it really just resonated. And I tend to have a bit of an obsessive personality. So good thing I'm obsessed with quilting and not something else, right? <laughs> Long-arm quilting machines have been around in some form or another since the late 1800s. These are not your mother's at-home sewing machine. They're enormous power tools that can be up to 14 feet wide and can cost as much as a car. A really nice car. These machines make it possible to stitch together a quilt much faster than by hand and easier than a standard home sewing machine. The flexibility they allow for stitching make it possible for quilters like Angela to do incredibly detailed quilting designs. So I mentioned that I didn't know what a long arm was when it got delivered. That's not how to buy a long arm, by the way. I figure I can write a whole book on how not to do this business. Um, so I, when Grandpa said we should buy a long arm, I said, okay, what is it? And he said, I don't know. I saw one at a show one time. We just knew that it quilted the quilts. So when the gentleman delivered it um, and left, we're looking at it like, oh, wow, it's not computerized. We have to actually drive it. I was sure that it was computerized. I mean, for what those things cost, I was almost positive it would do my dishes as well, right? (laughs) Um, So back then, you know, it's important to kind of set the stage. There was no YouTube. There was no Pinterest. There was nothing like that. And I also wasn't part of a group. It was just Grandpa and I. And he was doing stuff that he remembered his mom doing. That was the extent of my experience. And so I w- it took me a long time to learn what I was doing. But what I want to say is I really enjoyed the process. I was the best quilter I knew. I had nobody to compare myself to. I really enjoyed it. It wasn't like I'm looking at other people's stuff thinking, oh, I wish I could do that, or oh, I wish I could do this. I was just enjoying and and having fun learning, and I I wish that people could give themselves permission to do the same. People say, I can't free motion quilt. I'm like, well, you can, but you just have to practice. It's just like handwriting. If you learned your letters and then never wrote again, it would be hard to do that handwriting. But now you can do it without even thinking about it. It's just a different extension of that. It's definitely doable. And so when I was coming into quilting, you know, 13 years ago, I'm looking at people like Kimmy Bruner and Karen McTavish and Linda Taylor, and I'm looking at what they're doing and thinking, this could be a lot of fun. And so it's been around for a while, um, but it's just a different take on that, that machine quilting. And I'm, I love doing that part and getting to kind of add my own bit to that. While Angela had been perfecting her craft for some time, a new movement in the world of quilting would provide untapped inspiration for her work and ultimately catapult her onto a national stage. When the modern quilting movement came around, that is really what took my business to the next level. Up to that point, I had been quilting for customers, and 
I had been quilting for a while. So I had been, you know, making those traditional quilts and quilting them and would have continued on. I loved it. Um, but when I got invited to the first meeting of the Kansas City Modern Quilt Guild, that's when I was first introduced to modern quilting. I had no idea there was even blogs about quilting. When I came to that first meeting, it was really the right place at the right time. You know, this movement was coming along and I appreciated the aesthetic. I love the look of modern quilts, but I had been around long enough that I knew the technical part. So I like to say I was fluent in both languages, right? So I could quilt, but I could also see how fun it would be to apply these to those modern quilts. And so that first meeting when they were showing them the quilts, of course, I'm thinking as a machine quilter, you know, how would I quilt that? What would I do? And, and so that really kind of is where that sparked. So having the technical skill at that moment, not, you know, being brand new to the whole thing, but also appreciating and really loving that is I think it gave me maybe a head start when it came to that, to the modern thing, because, you know, I already kind of knew machine quilting and there was just nobody really doing it at the time. Mm-hmm. You know, there wasn't a lot of people teaching other modern quilters how to, to machine quilt. Because quilting is, you know, if you don't love it, you don't love it. And that's fine. But it can really detract or enhance your quilt top. And I wanted to encourage people to enjoy it and use the quilting in different ways. And so that was really just where it all came together. And I found people that were willing to listen to me. <laughs> Over the years, Angela has collaborated with many quilt designers, but none more so than Tula Pink, a fabric designer known for her bold use of color and pattern. So Tula Pink, you know, is a fabric designer, author, so crazy talented, and we have collaborated on some amazing quilts together. And to know how we come together, it's not a long story, but it's a great story. Um, When I first joined a quilt guild all those years ago, I had no idea what I was doing, and I wanted to be a vendor at the quilt show. And so I went to the quilt show with my cards, and that's all I had in the whole booth. I didn't. I never even been to a quilt show. I didn't realize, and I looked so silly, right? Because I'd, everybody's booth is full, and I'm like, oh, this was a mistake. But then two weeks later, I got a call from a lady that was opening a shop. And would I like to quilt her samples? Well, yeah, that sounds fantastic. And then on down the road, maybe five, six years later, she calls me and tells me her daughter's becoming a fabric designer, and would I like to quilt for her? And it was Tula Pink. So that's how we met. But the takeaway from that is so important, I think, to people. Even things that don't seem to work out, you never know. In business, you just have to take advantage of every networking opportunity and just go for it. And we have an amazing collaboration and friendship. She does amazing stuff, and she pushes me to be wild and wacky and out of the box. And every quilt, we feel like we have to, you know, one-up the the one before. And, you know, anybody that lets me quilt spiders and feathers on her quilt is, you know, is definitely going to be a fun collaboration. So we kind of joke she's, we're, we're like work spouses. How did this new style of quilt design affect your quilting designs? Well, to understand that, you'd have to think about the quilts I was doing up to that point. Now, for those that aren't familiar with traditional quilt patterns, they're block-based, right? So it's the same block repeated. So every time I'm quilting a customer's quilt, all I have to think about is, what am I going to do in the blocks? What am I going to do the sashing? And what am I going to do in the borders? And then just do it. There's definitely inspiration. And there's art in that. I don't want to say that there's not. But then when I'm quilting for Jackie Gehring or Tula Pink, and they're saying stuff like, well, the inspiration of it is this, or the layout is completely different. There's not that safe one, two, three steps to follow. Does that make sense? Um, So what I did is instead of trying to come up with brand new quilting designs or modern quilting, I just used the designs I already knew and loved, but I tried to use them in different unexpected ways. 
Because really, isn't that what modern quilting is? People that are making modern quilt tops are just taking that traditional art and then kind of adding their own modern twist. So the only thing I did different is just try to use it in different ways. The creative process or the design part, that comes when I'm at home by myself working on customer quilts. When I work on quilts that I didn't piece, I'm forced to work on quilts that are not anything I would normally make, good and bad, right? If I get to do this whole, you know, Dear Jane quilt, I can appreciate that. I'm not going to spend the time to piece all that. Angela's work started to receive a lot of attention after she created her blog, Quilting is My Therapy. As she began interacting with the sewing community online, she realized that she was in a unique position to help others learn to quilt as well. This just shows kind of how my business model is. I went to that first meeting in the Kansas City Modern Quilt Guild, and everybody had a blog. And I thought, can regular people have a blog? I didn't even know you could. So I went home that night and started a blog. I thought, and so I told my husband, I started a website. And he's like, what? I'm like, so it started off mostly just, this is what I'm doing. This is what, you know. But then I realized that a lot of quilters, a lot, especially women, especially in something that people compare themselves to, you know, other quilters, they just need reassurance. Most of my teaching is just telling people they can do it and giving them practical tips to do it. Um, As I started going to guild meetings and going to classes and teaching, I realized that people are so hard on themselves. And so that's when my blog transitioned from just being about me to about them. You know, and it still is what I'm working on, but I always try to include this is what you could do and a lot of encouragement because it's supposed to be fun. But a lot of people get to the machine quilting part and think it's the the penalty they have to pay to start another quilt, you know. So the blog started, but it's evolved. And now I try, I truly want to make it a resource for people to come. It's always positive. There's never any controversy. There's never, and if it's negative, it's, it's more like, hey, this is real life, but this is how we can turn that. And I want it to be a place, you know, where people can come and be inspired. But when I'm teaching students, it's more about tapping into the encouragement side and the more into the, you know, tailoring it to them, giving them personal tips to help them and encouraging them all along the way. Um, it's important for me to do both. Yeah. You know, I still quilt for Tula. I still quilt for some customers, even though I'm busy, but I, I need that, that time to recharge my creative battery so that I can have that to share. You are the author or co-author of almost 10 books now. How did you get into writing? So I went to Quilt Market with Tula Pink and I quilted all her quilts. And I want to say, and I, and in my experience, I don't want to make a generalization here, but At that point, nobody was really show quilting for Quilt Market. Now, Quilt Market is the industry trade show where shops go and purchase, as you know, uh, fabric and stuff. So fabric designers are there selling their fabric. Well, then you walk by Tula Pink's booth, and there's all this crazy quilting on top of her beautiful fabric. I mean, it it was a one-two punch, really. And so it got a lot of attention, and um, Suzanne Woods from C&T Publishing left her card and asked if I'd like to write a book. And I thought, holy crap. I don't know. And so I did. But, you know, I waited. I I wanted so desperately to be published or have a quilt published. And it took me eight years. And I don't think it would took that long if I would have just put myself out there. I was waiting for them to come to me. So if you're if anybody listening is waiting for the opportunity to come to them, they really need to go out and seek it because it probably could have happened a lot faster. Not that I'm sad about the way it worked out. It's perfect. But from that point, I realized, wow, I I could do whatever I wanted to do. It might be hard. It might take a while. It might not work out exactly like I thought it would. And that that book opportunity is what made me realize that I should seek out those opportunities instead of waiting for them to come to me. Here's the thing. If I fail at something, nobody has to know, right? Like there's been things I failed at that I just don't share. You know, and I think people are too afraid of failing. 
And a no doesn't have to be a hard no, it could just be a not right now. So the fabric design came about, I like to draw out designs and I talk about quilting, knowing where to go is the most important thing. So I tell people to sketch and that's a lot of what I do, just doodling and sketching. And, and I thought this would make really cool fabric designs. So I'm gonna start a fabric line. And then I became a fabric designer. Doesn't that sound pretty? <laughs> but that's actually not how it happened, right? I decided I wanted to do that, but I had to learn. I had to, you know, Google how to use Illustrator. I had to think about the designs. I had to get rejected a bunch of times. It took about a year. But when I got that first fabric collection in, I cried because it was the culmination of so much effort. So the harder the battle, the sweeter the victory. And so even if it doesn't work out then, just keep at it if it's something you really want to do. You've done several fabric lines now, right? Yeah, a lot. I love it. I, for me, it's all about keeping it diverse from a business side in any creative business. The more diverse, the better, right? So I have the classes and the books and the fabric and the shop. Um, but for me, it's something I can do when I can't be at my machine. So when I'm on the airplane and when I'm in the hotel room, when I'm supposed to be coloring with the kids, stuff like that. Um, so it gives me a creative outlet when I can't be at my machine. If you were to take a trip to downtown Liberty, Missouri, you will find yourself in a quiet square typical of those found in any small town built in the 1800s. Two-story brick buildings with Victorian architectural detail flank all four sides of a courthouse. It is in this picturesque setting where Angela opened her retail store and classroom in 2015. It's not like you just wake up and say, I'm going to do this. Sometimes that does happen. Sometimes it's an evolution, right? When I started quilting, I never thought, I never wanted to have a retail shop. So the more you say that, the more you know it's going to happen, right? No, I don't want to do retail. But I knew I wanted to move out of my house. I had grown my business out of my house. I was still in my house. I had employees coming to my house. I was ready to move out. And so once I you know, um, convinced my business partner, <clears throat> husband, that it was a worthwhile investment, um, we started looking for buildings. And we found a building for sale in downtown Liberty, Missouri, quaint little square in a big city. It's just perfect. 10 minutes from my house. And I thought, well, now I have to do retail, right? Because there's so much traffic right there. And it's so pretty. It's a beautiful building built in the 1800s. It's on the National Historic Registry. You kind of have to have, you don't have to, but you kind of, you know, people are going to want to come in anyway. So it was like the stages of denial. It was, well, I'm going to have a studio, but people could come in and buy stuff if they wanted. Well, I'm going to have a retail-ish component. It took me about a month to be like, okay, it's a quilt shop. And I enjoy it immensely. I don't plan on this being my focus, though. I, I plan on having, you know, employees help run that. Because ultimately, um, I need to remember what I love to do. And it's not necessarily running a retail. It's, it's the quilting. I don't know how I could have done this the opposite way. Starting out in my house allowed me to start out small, to build slowly. There's no overhead except for my machine. You know, I could put my fabric online. So leading up to this was a really good transition for me. Um, I don't know how people could just sell fabric and just make it because it's just a, it's a hard thing to know what to sell and what to, I, I don't even, I haven't even wrapped around my, my head around all the stuff I don't know yet. I still don't know what I don't know. Um, but for me, I love teaching and having that space to have classes. I think that just makes natural sense. And then to allow people to buy why they're in here. Um, so I would say in all my not wisdom that having classes and making it a community place is the way to go. Yeah. Right. Because I mean, think about it from a, um, a bar standpoint. I don't know. What it's to, maybe how you drink, you could have a beer at home or you can go to the bar and pay twice as much for your beer, but you go to the bar because there's people there. 
And I think, you know, that's what I want it to be, a place where people go to be around other people and have that community. And that's what it is, not just a fabric shop. As an artist and business owner, Angela has found an ideal system to balance her design work with business work. For her, it is all about intentional creativity. Honestly, I don't quilt a lot for myself. It's for the project. So all those things I have to do are great because those deadlines force me to quilt and create. You know, So if I come up with an idea for a book, submit it, and it gets accepted, then I think, okay, now I need to come up with this stuff. So, you know, people say they wait for creativity to strike. Honestly, you have to be intentional about it and, and think through that stuff. It's not too hard to balance it because they're one and the same. The, the biggest struggle I have is burnout. I have to be really careful not to burn out, and I need to make sure that, you know, I'm not overwhelming myself, which anybody le- hearing this that knows me is just laughing because that's something I struggle with because I, I want to do it all. I want to do everything. Um, the best thing I could say to that answer is I surround myself with people that are better at the things that I'm not good at. So I have two really great helpers that, you know, I don't even like to call them employees. They're, they come alongside me and they complete me in areas that I'm not good at. So that's what helps me balance. But honestly, I think balance is a myth. Right. I mean, it's just whatever you need to get done that day. I'm very deadline driven. So it's like, okay, who is calling for this deadline today? Let's get this done. That's kind of how I manage it, which would stress some people out. But that's just what works for me. So what excites you these days? What's what's inspiring you? People excite me. Really, that's what it is. I mean, and honestly, this is almost like heresy. I love fabric, but that's not my main passion. I'm a machine quilter. So threads are my thing. But I love, I'm loving being around people. And so what's exciting me is getting to meet a lot of people that are coming in. What's exciting me is all the the shows that are coming, the mod, like QuiltCon, Mm -hmm. you know, stuff like that. That excites me, seeing people come together because only when you're encouraging each other and sharing in that passion that you have for whatever it is, and for me, it's quilting, it, it just makes it expand more and more. Fabrics, there's some really cool stuff. I mean, lots of fun stuff, but I'm just saying like the the community and I feel like it's almost moving. I think for there for a little bit, it was a little snarky, a little bit of like me, me, me when we were all kind of adjusting to the social media thing. Right. Um, But I feel like more and more people are moving into the encouragement side. And so that's what excites me. Thanks for listening to this episode of Hello Atelier. To see photos of Angela's work or retail space, visit helloatelier.org. To keep up with future episodes, subscribe to us on iTunes or Google Play. And be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram. 